All right, we're going to try to turn this up a little bit so that uh, we can, we can, everybody can hear it a little bit. Last week, uh, yes, ma'am. And the memory verse is Matthew twenty sixteen, and you will see why here in just a minute. But uh, memory verse for next week, Matthew twenty sixteen. I like what Mark said to me on the way way in. It looks like we blew the walls out of the place, right? <laughs> so uh, we, can, we can all look at it and say, yeah, we kind of did a number on the, the walls over here to the side. So we appreciate it. We'll have to speak up, and then there might be a little bit more uh, noise as the, as the uh, turn kind of comes along. I was uh, told uh, some time ago that a paradox... A paradox is not just two physicians standing next to each other. But a paradox is a uh, contrary received opinion. Dictionary says a statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a truth. Uh, a contradiction is kind of a form of a paradox. A contradiction would be uh, something along the lines of Sound of Silence. Remember the, the song Sound of Silence? Okay, that's a contradiction paradox, form of paradox. There's uh, other paradoxes that we've heard before. You know, the beginning of the end, that would be a paradox. Uh, save money by spending it would be another one. Um, <laughs> If there's one thing I know, it's nothing. Another, another paradox. But, the, you know, there's a lot of different types of paradoxes that we find in Scripture as well, where they seem self-contradictory, but they, pre, they present a, a truth. I, uh, for example, 2 Corinthians, when I am weak, then I am strong. We have that, that paradox, which kind of seems self-contradictory, but expresses a very profound truth. Uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Another paradox which expresses a truth. Uh, Matthew 16, which we looked at it, whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life will find it. And he kind of paradox in ministry, paradox in the way that we think. Paul talks about his life in a number of paradoxes in uh, 2 Corinthians 6 when he says, unknown yet well-known, as dying yet we live, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. You know, all of those paradoxes that we see working through Scripture, Paul expresses them, Jesus expresses them. We're going to look at one of those primary paradoxes today in Scripture when we turn to uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, where it says, the last shall be first. Paradox, once again, where you say, okay, what in the world is this, is this now expressing to us in a variety of different ways? Last week, we looked at the interaction of the rich young ruler. Remember in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26, 
where we saw the contrast between childlike faith versus self-reliant faith. The rich man, rich young ruler was wandering down a path where he was, what do I need to do to inherit a eternal life? And then in verse 21 of that section, Jesus says, you know, uh, if you wish to be complete, go uh, sell all your possessions, give to the poor, uh, come follow me, and, and kind of says, hey, it really has to do with faith and trust and dependence upon me. Jesus then turns to his disciples and, and uh, begins to say, you know, with people all things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. But then Peter picks up on the statement that Jesus had just said and concerning rewards and Peter then says, hey, what reward are we going to have for following you? Because we have given up everything to follow you. What reward are we going to have? And so look at verse nine, or chapter 19, verse 27 through 30, because this sets up where we're going to go in chapter 20. Peter said to him, behold, we've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? I mean, hey, you said take up your cross, follow me. We've done that. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration of the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. You also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farmed for my sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. In other words, you are going to receive a lot. It was really an encouraging statement to the, to the disciples of what they are going to receive. But many who are first will be last and the last first. All right? Huh? What? Then chapter 20 basically starts a parable. Verses 1 through 16 has a parable, and then you'll notice in verse 16, chapter 20, verse 16, just put your eyes down there, it comes back to, so the last shall be first and the first last. In other words, what he has done in this parable is he took the first will be last and the last first. At the end of the parable, it's so the last shall be first and the first last. We've now switched the order. We've gone from last to first, first to last, and the parable is really there to explain and to illuminate that particular paradox of what in the world is he talking about? What in the world is happening here? The parable illustrates the point. Their reward is going to be great and Jesus now begins to explain that little paradox. Paradox. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the parable. We're going to kind of get kind of the common denominator here. And I'm going to kind of explain the parable, verses 1 through 16. First, first will be last, last will be first. So the first, last shall be first, the first shall be last. And then when it gets to the place where we're starting to talk about application of this parable, 
that's where we all get to participate here, where we, we kind of go, all right, so what's going on with this thing? Because it's really kind of an interesting interplay. And at first glance, you think it's going to go one way. And yet, as you look at the context and you look at what's going on as what Jesus say, is saying about this parable, it takes a very interesting little twist. All parables take a little bit of an interesting twist. And you go, oh, oh, uh, pretty applicable to me. All right. And the common denominator here, uh, just in the back of your brain, I, I want to plant this, plant this little thought, is remember, remember the context, 27 through 30, which is where Peter says, hey, we've left everything to follow you. And then Jesus says, yeah, many who are first are last, last were first. It's talking really in the area of rewards. But let me just plant that little, little uh, seed in here of grace. Grace, because grace is going to, is going to be a kind of a main theme that doesn't, you'll see it, but you know, unless you're thinking about it, you, 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 you might miss it. All right, verses one through seven, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a landowner who hires various men throughout the day to work in his vineyard. Now, we're probably all pretty familiar with this parable. Verse, verse 1, chapter 24. So he just said, many who are first will be last, the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for a day, he sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said, to, and he said, you also go into the vineyard, key statement here, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out on the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. All right, so the vineyard, always a common type of uh, theme that kind of comes up periodically. The third hour is, the, is about 9 a.m. So he goes out early in the morning. They hire. By the way, if you go, go to Jerusalem, they still have little squares there where workers will come into the squares and they will hire individuals to go into to, to work for them for that particular day. So they will be one day, one day hire. So ninth hour or the sixth hour, third hour is 9 a.m. The sixth hour is about noon. The 11th hour is about five o'clock in the afternoon. So you go, whoa, we're getting pretty late in the day. But verse 4, he says, whatever is right, I will give to you. In other words, he's saying, hey, look, I'm not promising a particular wage here. Not promising you a particular wage. But you are going to have to trust me. Trust me to pay you what would be appropriate 
in my eyes for the wages that I will pay you. So all of the workers really trusted them after the first hour where he had agreed at the very first, I'm going to pay you a denarius a day. They had said, okay, a denarius, that's a day's wage typically. The rest of them said, I will pay you whatever is fair. And they said, okay, I'm going to trust you to give me what is fair at the end of the day. There's a little bit of trust and dependence that's going on that, that you're able to see. Well, the landloader, verses 8 through 10, really at the end of the day, pays all of the men the same wage. Look at what happens, verses 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first, which is kind of interesting. You kind of go, was there some sort of favoritism going on there with the, with the last group? To the first, why would he call the last first? Interesting little play there. Verse 9, when those who hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Whoa! They've been working for one hour or so uh, before sundown. They receive a full day's wage. Those, when those who had hired first came, verse 10, they thought that they would receive more. But each of one of them also received a denarius. Wow. Obviously, those who were hired first, when they saw that those that had been hired at the 11th hour received a denarius, they said, this is going to be great. This is going to be a great payday. They worked one hour. They got a denarius for a full day. I wonder what we're going to get. Huh? Yeah. Could, it, could be upwards it's to 10 denarii. You know, if we're paying an, a denarius an hour, you know, maybe we're going to get 10. Or at least more than one, right? Well, verse 11 and 12 the men who were hired first grumbled because they had not received more than those who were hired last. Look at what happens. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner saying, these last men have only worked one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the scorching heat of the day. They were grumbling. Would you be grumbling? kind of go, hey, this isn't fair. Interesting how in America we get into fair, isn't it? We want things to be fair. I can remember my kids always saying, well, that's not fair. Remember that? Yeah, come on, come on. You remember your kids saying, that's not fair. And then you have to try to explain to them, you know, sometimes life just isn't fair. And, and if we were going on fair, things might be completely different. But sometimes it's just not, just not fair. Well, these guys were grumbling because they were grumbling. Now, we're going to come back and say, okay, why were they grumbling? And what was their error? What was their error? Okay, so verse 13, the landowner replies that they have no reason to grumble because he's actually paying them what they had agreed to. 
Verse 13, but he answered and said to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? In other words, when, when we first talked at 6 a.m. here, you know, we, we agreed for a day's wage, which was one denarius. I have paid you what we agreed upon. Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? All right. He was generous. The point, obviously, is somewhere there is going to be work that come on at the last that will receive some more. The owner was not just unjust towards the first workers. Rather, he chose to display an unmerited measure of generosity upon those who had come in at the last and not had been able to work as long. Well, and then the landowner takes the parable, verse 16, so the last shall be first and the first last. Notice that that's the reverse of the principle that was really laid down in verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. All right, here we go. What's going on? What's happening here? I mean, what's the, what's the main point? I mean, what's, what's going on? And then Jesus, as he goes up in verse 17, it, it now changes a little bit in part of this narrative type of thing. But we have this little, little snippet of this parable. And we know that it's dealing with the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, but that's reversed. And yet we come down, and he spends a lot of time telling this parable. It seems to be somewhat unfair. What's the point? Okay, there's, a, there's obviously this, this area of grace that's... Uh, that's kind of a umbrella, and we, we do need to recognize that grace. But what does that mean for us? Jews and I'm sorry? Jews and Gentiles. Okay, there's Jews and Gentiles, possibility that's there. Could be. Could be saying because he chose to give the last first and bring them up first. It could be some sort of a preference that's there, but it doesn't explicitly say that. That's a possibility that might be happening. Yes, ma'am. Okay, it's all God's. Okay, all right. It's all God's. What, what was say, said was it's all God's so, so that we can kind of get it onto the, to the tape. What he chooses to do with it, he can choose to do with it. Absolutely true. Yes, sir, back in the back. Well, the workers were using man's rules, uh, which is about work. 
and they were ignoring God's rules. But another example is the thief on the cross who had really not earned anything till right before he died. And he said, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And all those other people that were better had not, you know, they'd, they'd lived like Christians for years and years and years, and he'd, he'd lived a minute, and yeah. he's in paradise. Okay. Okay, let's, let's go back here just a second. You're absolutely right, by the way. They were grumbling. Why were the workers grumbling, first off? Why were the workers grumbling? Okay, expectation, what was that? Jealousy, Jealousy. all right. They were jealous. Expectation of equity, all right. Comparison. 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 Uh-oh, comparison. Uh-oh, I'm sorry. Resentment. Okay, resentment, comparison, equity. All right, they were thinking on a human level, not kingdom level. All right, let's take that one and let's pull, pull that one out. What was the error of their thinking? You know, we, we say, okay, this is what... This is what the problem is, is the equity, the, the comparison part, the thing. What was the error of their thinking? Yes, ma'am, back there in the back. I'm sorry? That God favors some over others. Okay, that's a truth, uh, maybe. I don't know, you know, uh, in the overall context here as to plays in, yeah? Okay, that was the, that, that was they thought that they did. What was the error in their thinking of that? They weren't thankful for the job they had. So all day long and from that early morning time, they were secure in the fact that they had a job. Right? Okay. The other guys didn't have a job, so they had stress and anxiety and so forth. They're standing around. They don't have a job. Okay. So I've been a Christian since I was very young. If I wanted to get jealous about the fact that somebody else became a Christian, you know, my age today, they've missed all those years of comfort and blessing. So Mm -hmm. you just, they should have just been happy for these guys that they got a job and they got paid. Okay. Now and that's how we need to look at people who are coming late into Christianity is good for you. You made it. Okay. And you're going to get the same reward. All right. So we're talking a little bit about salvation there with salvation, but there's also the other principle that he was talking about rewards. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, their own work would bring their own righteousness. When they worked and they did what they were hired to do, that somehow brought them a righteousness. Okay. You know? So work, works didn't 
do not bring, does not bring righteousness. Okay, yeah, you're pick, picking up on, the, both of these are picking up on one point here, which well, is very important. Doug, yeah. you mentioned one thing. They, hadn't, they didn't have a trust for the master. All right, we're going to come back to that. Yeah, we're coming back to that. Let me, let me pick up this, this point here on, on the salvation part. Yes. Greetings. <laughs> Fairness. Salutations, warm fuzzies, <laughs> yeah. yes. Fairness is a fiendish enemy of generosity. All right. Fiendish enemy of generosity. We, we should write that one down. <laughs> write that one down. Yes, ma'am. Sometimes we have a tendency to think we should be rewarded for just doing what's right. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Let me go back here. Pause. Pause for a second. Let me go back here. With the salvation, salvation issue, what, what I think you're tr saying is true. You know, there's that righteousness. We're, what was just right before it last week? We had the, had the rich young ruler who thought that if they did things, they were going to earn some, earn some merit. So in, in one aspect, this parable kind of picks up a little bit on, hey, we just saw what the rich, rich young ruler was doing in regards to salvation, Yet Jesus then took that and he brought it into denying yourself, taking up your cross, denying yourself and following me. Peter then takes it into, hey, we've denied ourselves. What reward are we going to get? So there's, there's this interplay that's going between not only salvific types of things, but now also reward types of things for labor and work. So you've got two things that are happening here. You're beginning to kind of see, oh, this, this parable goes a little bit, a little bit deeper. So, yeah, we've got salvation, but in really Jesus now taking that, bringing it in, but also bringing in the aspect of rewards. What am I going to get? And he says, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. And we're, we're talking about, so back to the original question now. We see what the problem is. What was their error of thinking, which plays a little bit into the salvation, but now take it into the reward category and saying, what is the error of thinking that they had about the rewards that they would receive? And some of the, now, now we're getting into what you were talking about here, which was, all right, the other part though, yeah. It seems that they thought that the generosity of the landowner made the work that they had done of more value. I'm sorry? The, it seemed that they felt like that the generosity of the landowner to the other guys uh -huh. made the work that they had done of more value. Yes, or, or less value, depending on how they were going to yeah. see it. You know. But yeah, they should have given They should have gotten more. more, absolutely. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Yeah, go ahead. reward. Oh. They, had lost, they had lost sight of that. Okay. And they, they were trying to be the judge and judge, being judgmental of other people and how they were treated. They had lost, lost sight of okay. the way it really is. Say that last part, because that last part was, the, was kind of a great bridge. They had, they had lost sight 
of, of who was really the judge of things and who was really the giver of all grace. Okay, and you said that he was able to see the heart. He was able to see the heart. And so now, remember I pointed out verse 4? Verse 4? Remember verse 4 up there? Verse 4, because that's kind of a key, key concept of what's going on with the whole grace thing. It says, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so the, the last ones who came in at the 11th hour were mainly just, what? Trusting in the grace of the landowner to provide whatever was right in his eyes to be able to provide. And so they, they came in and they said, we, we are really at your mercy. We are dependent upon you to pay us whatever you think is right. Whereas the ones at the very beginning, what were they doing? You, you are going to pay me one denarius. What are you getting down to? You're getting down to motivation and God's able to see your heart. Now, here's where it becomes a little bit. Here's where, yeah, go ahead. Okay. You're, what you're doing? What you're, you're doing fine. Oh, okay. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Hey, preach it. Preach it, right? Preach it. Keep going. Keep going. I love this. Got, a, got an amen. Every once in a while you need an amen, right? Of course, I lost my frame of thought here because I was on a roll. And it, it, it has to do with motivation and, and, and the heart and dependence upon the Father for what you're doing. And that's the, that's the whole point. God's sovereign. And God is able to see the heart. The ones at the very beginning, they had agreed upon a particular wage, and they had said, I am going to work for one denarius. But then they were just working for the reward. They were working for the reward. Whereas the last ones that came in, they were basically upon the grace of the Father, and they were working out of just that attitude of, of humble motivation, you know, of I will work for that one hour and I will leave it into the Father's hands as to what reward I really get. And you realize, yeah. Peter says, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? I mean, we just saw this rich young ruler, and he was, he was there, and basically Jesus' point when he, when he goes is saying, hey, the first will be last and the last will be first, meaning those who are first here might not be first in the kingdom, primarily because they're doing it for their reward that they can see. They can see. They're doing it for their own gain. They're doing it for their own stuff. They're doing it for their own, their own pleasure. They're doing it for their own reward that they're able to get. Whereas the ones in the last 
the last will be first. In other words, those that are dependent upon me, even though you may not be able to see what they're doing, they're going to get the bigger reward because I'm able to look at the heart. I'm able to see the motivation of what's happening rather than just the outward appearance as to what's going on. Those workers that came into the last said, we're going to trust you to give us whatever, whatever it is. And so their motivation is just merely service. Merely service. And leaving the reward into God's hands. Whereas if you're looking at it from the standpoint of what am I going to get in comparison, you may end up being last in the whole whole thing. Let me just kind of read through here so to make sure I got really has to do is servants should serve him while trusting in his grace and goodness towards them rather than calculating how much he owes them for their service. And that's the whole point. The motivation of the heart. Now here's where it really becomes applicable to me. Just talking about me. Why, why are we serving? Why are we serving? What's our motivation for service? Is the motivation for service so that other people will say, oh, look at how, how wonderful I am. Look at how great I've done by, by doing this. Look at, look at what a great you know, servant I am in, in women's ministry or men's ministry or, or whatever, whatever ministry you might be a part of. Look at how wonderful I am in that. Well, the first may be last. Because the motivation is, is, well, God's going to give me a better reward at that point because I'm such a great servant. We're, or the one that we don't see that's out there that's really got the, the motivation right that might be the one that's, that's cleaning up the, the floors and putting out the chairs and, you know, doing all the background, making sure that, you know, the, the bathrooms are clean and things, that, people that you don't see out there. But their motivation isn't, isn't for people to see them or for some sort of outward reward, but they are totally dependent. The Father will reward me according to his good wishes. According to his good wishes. I'm totally dependent upon him. Totally dependent upon him. The disciples were not to think of heavenly reward in terms of justice, in getting some sort of proportion to what they deserved, but Jesus was teaching his disciples that they should think of, of, of their service in terms of grace and working towards just the Father's approval, and he will reward them according to whatever he deems right. He may not reward according to length of service. He may not reward according to the way that we see things, because God is sovereign. He is able to see the heart. Some of the rewards that we see are temporal. They are temporal rewards. But the implication is that the full reward awaits the end of the day upon the dependence of the Father. 
So what are you working for? What are you working for? Live and serve in grace. The last shall be first, and the first last. The parable explains fully of what's your motivation? What's your motivation for service? Just as the rich young ruler thought that he was going to be able to do something to inherit eternal life, in the same way, you think you're going to be able to do something to be able to inherit some sort of reward. It's all in the hands of the Father. All in the hands of the Father. Being dependent upon Him for whatever's coming up. Well, we've blown the Blown the walls out here, and the walls are beginning to blow us out as uh, folks are beginning to uh, scream over the side. It's a great, great parable. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And it's interesting. I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and, you know, just as Jesus takes the first shall be last at the beginning and then transfers it to the last shall be first, just that whole parable taking what had happened before and transferring it into really our life as to where we live for service, service to him and serving under grace, serving under grace. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, just the way that it's so applicable to us that you are able to see the heart. You're able to see our heart You're able to rightly discern our motivations. And Father, I pray that we would continue to labor for you out of a sense of love, gratitude for who you are. Just allow ourselves to be at your mercy that you will repay and you will reward in your good time and in your good choosing. Thank you, Lord, that this is a good reminder for where we are, that we need to just continue to serve as you direct and guide because you're able to see the motivation for why we are doing what we're doing. Thank you for each one here. We pray, Lord, that you would use these lessons in our life to mold us and shape us and conform us more to your image that as a result of that, we would be able to reach out to a lost world all around us to be able to show them your love and your grace. We just submit ourselves into your care. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. See you next week.